0: they wallow in corruption, crime and gore. Tingling ling city desk. Pull the press, pull the press. Extra, extra, read all about it. It's a mess meets the test. Oh, newspapermen meet such interesting people. It's wonderful to represent the press. Now
1: you we go with a media project a half hour of commentary and analysis some uh, veteran journalists offering our insights you you know you're always looking for the uh, grown-ups in the room we're way grown-ups in this room folks you know, think about that. Are we... um, yeah, I'm sorry. Well, speaking as the senior person here, Dr. Alan Sharktuck, the CEO, 81 years young of Northeast Public Radio. There he is. How about that, Rosemary Armeo? Not speaking about specifics here.
2: Right. Wonderful <laughs> right. to see you. In Does v- that mean I'm the second senior? <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> I didn't say.
1: Did not say. <laughs> Youngster Barbara Lombardo here, former editor of the Saratoga and the Troy Record. Hi, I used you? to
3: have one of my many publishers. I remember saying that you could have 20 years of experience or one year of experience 20 times. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was probably Monty, wasn't it? That's a clever it, line. It,
3: it was clever, but it wasn't it, Monty. It wasn't. And I'm Rex Smith,
1: former editor of the uh, Times Union. We're a bunch of formers and some currents in some of the things that we do here, and we are happy to have you to talk about what's going on in the news world. The news world is, of course, changing, always changing, but especially changing with the digital revolution And here's something that's very interesting to know A large majority of U.S. adults, according to the latest surveys 82% say that they often or sometimes get news from a smartphone, a computer, or a tablet A half say they do it often And this goes along the line with how few people now get news from newspapers or radio You know, it's just down this tiny, tiny little minority now Since most people are getting their news, A, from digital, second from television. Alan, what are the implications of that, would you say since you're the PhD in the room? What do you well, think I are the am implications? And, and full professor this? at a couple of institutions. So, yeah. uh, well, well I'm doing my yes. thing.
4: Yes, and that does make me uh, wise and smart. So what I was go- not what I was going to say, Rex is the implications are that newspapers are screwed. <laughs> and well, radio stations
1: which are the same level, no, I don't think News radio- consumption the same.
4: I don't think radio stations, particularly this radio station, which you are all listening to a product from, is in the same downward trend that you people in the news media who used to put out newspapers and all are like that. I think you're in bad shape. We're in great shape.
3: I think you're a little bit mixed up on some of that because... The fact that I think it was maybe like 5% of the news is acquired from print. Newspapers know that people are not going to print. They're presenting the news online, they're presenting it digitally. So to say that the newspapers are screwed is inaccurate. But it was interesting that the decrease in television news went from 40% to a little bit over 30 percent which is a if huge I just, decline that's like a 20 not like a. that's a 25 percent <laughs> I can still do this math a 25 percent decline and it's the older people anyway who are watching television, watching television. You, know, but you can
1: tell if you look at the ads that go along with newscasts look at Fox News I mean it's all my god they must be all dying those people
3: so if I was in newspapers and I wasn't already doing something about it mm-hmm But they have been
1: They've been growing Digital significantly Uh, You know at the same time These numbers come along You see the number Of digital subscribers growing And people don't realize We've said this many times In this show Folks don't realize That they're actually Getting news from newspapers When they get it On their telephones Notwithstanding that The business model Is broken it's busted. It
2: right. has been broken for a long time and nobody's come up with any kind of replacement. I'm really disappointed in the business people in, in our field. But I think the real problem isn't the platform, it's news. People are not interested in news. Yeah. They're interested in entertainment and distraction. And newspapers, of course, are gonna be the biggest decline because that's about all that they offer, you know, aside from comics or astrology or Dear Abby. Bridge. Yeah, no. just... It just his ricks, Yeah, bridge, bridge yeah. <laughs> Even that, it's hard to find these days in many newspapers. So I think the real problem is that people are listening to each other, but not to professional news people. Uh, Rosemary what's
4: the danger in that? that people say? are
2: stupid, and they put people like Trump and Dr. Oz into office. Herschel Walker's running. I mean, anybody who reads news is not going to vote for people like this, and yet we have it.
3: Yeah, there's two levels of it. There are fewer news consumers looking for actual news. In the you know old days, people were reading their newspapers religiously. Why is that? Why, why, why did they're... people used to read the news? No, no, no why? No.
4: I mean, my parents, as I've said, Chinese we have six news. newspapers in our house every right. day. So why is it that people are not interested in that product?
3: Like you know? in news, no matter how you're getting it, because it's yeah. not just
4: that Because there's
2: crazy. other stuff that's better. I binge Netflix. Example, you watch Game of Thrones, Hulu, Prime. There's a dozen right, there's streaming services. Options. There's, there's more options. Movies are dying, too, for the same reason. You can turn on your television, and it's an Aldous Huxley world, constant entertainment.
1: And yet people need the news. as you. Well, the, well the implications uh, of the crises that we're confronting are so significant.
3: Alan's right, though, unless... People think they need the news. They don't go out to find the news.
1: Right. It is an ethical imperative of journalists to find a way to reach the audience, right? To make your audience want what you're producing. But there is the risk that implicit in your last remark that we could
4: do it in a way which would be not good because it would denigrate what we do.
1: You mean by making it just too superficial, by making it too much entertainment, huh? Yes. Mm -hmm. That's true. You can be too Committed to luring an audience, and therefore too shallow. That certainly is what is the case in most newscasts. I'd say that's why you oh, see, you say newscasts, but not
4: newspapers, because you use the word for a newspaper mm-hmm. as opposed to a newscast.
1: Yeah, that's true. I think most newspapers uh, mm-hmm. are doing a good job of maintaining their standards. Most of the legacy media that is represented now, mostly digital. You know, the primary product of my old company, Hearst, is digital. It's not print in the newspapers have these hundreds of thousands of digital subscribers, and I think they're really, honestly, trying to do a pretty good job. They're trying to do a really good job, and I think they're really generally succeeding. And here's one of the dangers. We know the value of accessibility to really great investigative reporting and of accountability reporting. This is what we say people really need. The difficulty is that if we give people this reporting, that makes a difference. And some of it is really terrific, and it's essential to keeping government in its place and making sure that folks are getting the government they need. What you're doing is you're still turning off the audience because you're so serious. You're so committed to doing this deep, factual stuff that folks aren't entertained. Not enough fun. Not enough fun. Well, you yep. need
3: that mix you need a mix it's
2: discouraging if you're writing investigative pieces and putting it out on a website of investigative reporting then you're only going to attract a very small audience people interested in that area and that subject and I know because I worked for one that did lots of amazing stuff on the international money laundering okay that's a really rarefied audience we editors had trouble getting through the pieces much less the audience <laughs> that we we're sending it yep. out to and we were paid to read the stuff the other thing of course is that McCormick gave the money this year Where were they last year? Where will they be next year? It's extremely tenuous. It is not the same as having a giant Hearst Corporation, for example, which would fund lots of journalism, had lots of readers, and fund lots of work, including sports writing that brought many people. No one goes on the internet and searches for, I want to see all about the graft and corruption in downtown Albany. No one does that. So these set up little silos of information That officials can go to And I think that journalists Have to get money Any way they can Including soliciting it From the public Like they do in China Or from foundations And then they have to Promote the hell Out of their work They have to Take the findings To legislators Take them to officials And in some cases Take them to the public If there's real outrage And they can build a story Of that's shocking And eye-opening But those are not Most of the stories That we do
1: One of the concerns Is that while you may get A McCormick Foundation Or somebody giving money Into these urban centers Where there is an aggregate audience Enough people that you can sustain Some of that reporting The difficulty is in the small communities Across the states Where you have a lot of little weeklies And those are actually the publications That have gone out of business Dailies have mostly survived Though they have so shrunk That they're a shell of their former selves But the little weeklies around the country A lot of them are dying Here's an example, however Outside Dallas There's a newspaper called The Denton Record Chronicle I think it's now five days a week. The Denton Record Chronicle is being acquired by KERA, a public radio station, public media in Dallas. So this public entity, public media outlet, will now have a former print newsroom as a digital partner. And it augments their local coverage. I mean, I think that's an interesting model of another for-profit newspaper that has switched to not-for-profit. The same thing happened in Chicago, to be easy, that, acquire yeah. the Sun-Times. Yeah. You
4: know? I would have to admit, Rex, that we heard from you much earlier in our relatively brief life here. In <laughs>
1: our brief
4: life. Then you have predicted this. What's yes, that's been going on for more than 25 years. Our brief life here, yeah. Well, brief life, according to what? I mean, Mario Cuomo used to talk about the Mayfly and how brief their lives were. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so our lives are relatively brief. The bat and I. I-, I-
2: I have a question, and I read about all of the businesses and the sad state of business of journalism in general is, so what's the need for news? It used to be that you couldn't exist in a community without knowing what your neighbors were doing, what your mayor was doing. Do people, as we become increasingly isolated, you can just stay at home and be perfectly happy with your entertainment there, your family there, you maybe have to go to the grocery store every once in a while. We saw it under the pandemic. What do we really have to know about each other that we need news anymore? I think we have to fundamentally
4: rethink this. It isn't working. I don't think I understand what you're asking. People don't need news. Well, I think they do need news. They just don't know they need
1: it. (sighs) Well, the only reason they need it is for democracy. You know, you're right that people in (laughs) an authoritarian state don't need news. If things are going to be fed to them by the government, you know, there's no reason for folks in Russia to care about what's on their newscast because it's all dictated by Putin anyway. And Putin makes the decisions notwithstanding, largely notwithstanding what people think. But in this country, you know, if we still believe that it's important for people to know what's going on in order for government to make decisions, then that's good. But if you have so much stuff that's fabricated that purports to be news, and I would say that's a great deal of Fox News, frankly, what do people need it for? It's just entertainment.
2: Well, I don't know. We miss it in the same way that people who used to work for railroads miss the railroads. It was a way of life. It was great, you know, indoor, clean work. (laughs) You know, you talk to interesting people. Meet, Of course we miss it. Are we the only ones? Because the public doesn't seem to miss newspapers and, and the kind of deep journalism that they meant. Yeah. Uh, the deep news, the involvement in your community—they don't miss that, and they're not involved in their community. Civic participation now
1: consists of you know signing petitions online. And um, studies have shown, though, that as newspapers shrink or go out of business taxes go up. Corruption goes up. Yes, yes. corruption goes up. And that will increase citizen alienation from their government. I think that it really does portend trouble for democracy. Does your
3: comment about fewer people getting involved in things mm -hmm. anecdotal, or is that scientifically based? Give me a little bit of time, and I bet you I could find some data on that. It stems from 20 years ago, from the book
1: Bowling Alone, you know, from that notion of civic engagement being less. Even though more people were bowling, they were not involved in leagues.
2: They attributed it to like women going into the workplace you didn't have to volunteer and be part of the community anymore because you could get a job like anybody else like any man but I don't think it's just that I think it has to do with uh, the technology that increasingly has us looking into a screen you feel like you're interacting when you're on Facebook but you're not really talking to anybody it's very troubling i think it's much deeper than the technology i think people don't want news and rex even you're talking about it you're saying you have to read newspapers and listen <laughs> to tv because it's your civic duty it's yeah. homework we're giving up yeah it's not something you want to do like oh i'm going to pay money for that right our argument is that without us there will be no democracy so read or end up in a dictatorship that's not an invitation to come read my newspaper.
4: so what about all those people Who are in dictatorships. For example, I I wouldn't make the argument that the Russian is a dictatorship when you look at it. And yet, the fact that a newspaper comes out, it has stories in it, and people talk to each other about those stories, it seems to me you can't just dismiss it.
3: Change can happen organically, but a lot of it depends on people being able to find the news from various sources. And I can give you a local example is the issue of book banning. And I've gotten involved in a small group of people that are trying to increase awareness of the issue and spark people to take action. It yep, make people County, read the books, get the books out. Yeah, it's a and wonderful project. So in preparation for remarks I made for a couple of presentations, I went online to find what I could find and there was a ton of stories about what's happening all over the country with book banning and how librarians are being harassed and hounded out of office, how legislators and school boards are in all these different towns and there's lots of specific reporting that's been conglomerated. That where things are happening that are really scary and dreadful. And there was a story just the other day about the growth of organizations like um, this one called Moms for Liberty and Parents Defending Education, things that are growing usually on the side of in favor of book banning. But by having those reports and telling about them, you know, this little band of people have been drawing other people and then one person was sparked to take action after going to one of these presentations. They went to their Stillwater school board They Mm. wrote a letter to the editor. Other people, because they heard the news of what was going on locally.
2: Barbara, I would just disagree. The school board
3: didn't vote to ban the books that they were considering in Saratoga County. I would totally disagree that the news is to thank for this. There are grassroots movements
2: in Mm. Iran right now where there is no free press, no independent press, and a young woman was harassed by the uh, morality police and she ended up dead in police custody, and now you have a national revolution that's going on. And
3: how do you know about that? I know about
2: it in America. From news here. From but news. how do other Iranians who are out in the streets and marching know about it? Not from independent newspapers, but from Internet. People are talking directly to each other. They do not need the middleman. Which
1: that's by the way true. makes the point that these internet sites, these tech sites, are actually publishers, right? They are Correct. taking the role that William Randolph Hearst used to take Correct. or Joseph Pulitzer. And so that's why there is the argument that these publishers need to be held to account for what they're doing. And you know, in this country they're treated as tech companies and they're huge you know, the biggest and the most significant lobbyist in Washington is Jeff Bezos because of the money that he spends to influence Congress to maintain that line, that he shouldn't have to be held to account as a publisher. He is a tech platform, except insofar as he publishes The Washington Post. But I think you're right that the individual voices can, in that way, make a difference in some places. But those individual voices may not have the power of research. You know, it's a great reporter at the Times Union, Chris Bragg, who found this Hundreds of millions of dollars spent by the state of New York To buy some services that were provided much less expensively in California But this story. contract was produced story. right after a great donation to Kathy Hochul's campaign
2: Which she doesn't remember, yeah, yeah It's, she a, great, no it's a great story Yeah, really right. good
1: reporting And that kind of thing, you know, is why we need to have great news organizations doing that kind of thing I think reporting, uncovering the impact of uh, Catholic church taking over health care around the country and what's the impact going to be on health care delivery in places where Mm -hmm. there have been abortion services for example and other services that the catholic church does not tolerate that's a huge story for a community like the capital region where one of the two major health providers in fact the largest health provider and the largest employer is a catholic entity
4: very big deal I, i just want to point out that this program is coming to you from albany from a public radio station in albany Because when Rex mentions this region, I think everybody ought to know what region we're talking about.
1: Yeah, Northeast Public Radio, it's called. And we're very happy to be here at WAMC. By the way, if you want to share your thoughts, media at wamc.org. Alan Shartok is here, Rosemary Armeo, Barbara Lombardo, and I'm Rex Smith. And we are... Happy to talk a little bit about the media every week on the Media Project as we have for more than a quarter century here on <laughs> and on and on. Isn't it an amazing thing? What are these social media platforms, by the way, as we've been talking about how they they are tech companies, they're not held to account the way uh, publishers, the way an entity like WAMC is, what are they gonna do about the big lie? Uh, what are they gonna do about the coming election and how so many candidates are espousing untruth, that is, that the election was stolen in 2020, it has kind of become embedded in the political discourse. It's a very difficult situation for, I think, these platforms to determine what they're going to do, isn't it? How are they going to deal with the fact that they can't just keep disqualifying people from posting who put out these lies,
3: or can they? I've kind of given up. I, I hate to say it. It's just, I don't know. What I'm, have
1: you given up on? I'm sorry.
4: Just Barbara. Trying to combat how,
3: the big lie. Yeah. How how do you control the spread of the big lie and other false news? How do you get people to realize we believe that the news that we're consuming is true? How do you even prove that to people that doubt it? Mm-hmm. You know, we could say yours is fake, but mine is real. They could it's, say the same thing, even though we know that they're not right. <laughs> It's very interesting that even some of the proponents of the big lie are
2: backing away as they've moved away from the primary season to the general election. Dr. Oz now says, oh, you know, thinking about it, yeah, Biden's really the president because he can't get elected. He thinks he can't get elected otherwise. Yeah, Um, but but there's going
3: to be enough people that would rather vote for whatever Republican is on the line than a socialist lefty Democrat. Well, yeah, that's that's, another lie. There's lots of, of lies that we're combating,
2: and that's one of them, or that immigrants are, you know, overwhelming the country and... That will kill us all. I mean, that's ridiculous too. And but I do think that we've made an impact, or you wouldn't see Republican candidates switching when they, as soon as they go into the general election, they have to talk to all of the people. They're switching their talk. They're not just directing their demented messages
3: to the far right. That let's change yeah, the primary I mean, had system.
2: To that wrong. would that would go a long well, way. They won <laughs> the primary
3: because they're. Right. The wackadoodles, That's, and yes. the wackadoodles come out to vote for them. And now, you I don't know that switch. it's the, the media. Then it's, they run it's, to the
4: center, which they have always done. Right, it's just to get their—
2: And it's not working to to for, for Blake Masters, for example. In Arizona, he's doing terribly. He can't beat Mark Kelly because he made such a rapid about-face that it was transparent.
1: Yeah, and people got good saying, at yeah, it. Yeah,
2: yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's not <laughs> duplicitous enough to win elections today. Well, we'll see. You're
1: right. You know, it's going to end up being—a lot of this is going to play out in the Supreme Court. And, uh, you know, we can't have a lot of confidence about that. But that's because there are conflicting rulings from two different circuits around the country. You know, there are these 11 circuits in the United States. The Court of Appeals in May for the circuit that covers Florida struck down a state law that would have made it an offense for a social media company to deplatform an account of any uh, political candidate or journalistic enterprise. That is, they would have made it an offense. It would be against the law to deplatform anyone. Whereas in the Fifth Circuit in Texas, they had a nearly opposite decision upholding a Texas law that banned social platforms from doing that. So you've got this conflict. Can a social media platform Police its content and say, that's a lie. We're going to not allow that person to publish anymore on our platform. Or do the social media platforms have to do this. You know, they're private enterprises. I'm struck by the notion of the government saying, even though you're a private enterprise, you do not have the right to decide what to publish and what not to publish but you know the supreme court is this right wing institution now it is yeah and i don't have a great deal of confidence that they're going to speak up in favor of allowing the platforms to do this And I'm not sure the platforms want to have that. You know, they say we're a tech company. Maybe we should just publish everything. that They
2: don't do a good job at it, even when they do do it. Let's let's admit that. I mean, Trump was deplatformed after years of spreading falsehood. Abortion information is just ridiculously inaccurate now on on Facebook and other platforms. So I mean, I almost am in favor of just let everything go out. And there's a certain amount of reliance on people that we have to have. I'm not sure that I have it. Admit, but recently on the roundtable at WAMC, Rich Honan said, oh, January 6th wasn't an insurrection, and our listeners weren't crazy. He Good. said it was a riot, it wasn't an insurrection, and berated yes. us for not putting him in his place accurately enough. But I'm thinking as I'm reading these letters, we didn't really have to. You, you're seeing it for yourself. You you have brought something to the table so that Alan and Rosemary did not have to say, oh, you are wrong, Rich. Let me school you. We didn't have to do that.
1: <laughs> the listeners schooled them. So we would be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about the disaster with the hurricane that has struck America and mm-hmm. the reporting that arises from it. And talk a little about how this does affect individuals You know, the coverage of traumatic events Can sometimes be traumatic in itself It can, you know, well, the term these days, I guess, is re-traumatized But when there is disaster, we have to cover the disaster But sometimes it seems almost as though we're preying upon people Because it makes such good storytelling That is an ethical dilemma, I think, for journalists, isn't it? Why is it so ethical? I mean, you know, I have relatives who lived in Florida and who do live in
4: Florida, and I want to know what they're up against. And as you always say, Rex, colleague gee whiz, Martha, I, you know, <laughs> this is really quite something that this is happening.
3: Well, the question is whether you, I think, whether you have a conscience, whether there's an ethical responsibility to be kind and thoughtful and like, who do you bug when for these kinds of stories? Who do you upset with these kinds of stories? And... The hurricanes are almost the least of it because there's all the violent crimes that we have to cover. We're going to people and how re-traumatizing people. What do you um, think about? <laughs> I think that's one of the evil necessaries of our job and that hopefully you're finding people who are willing to talk to you, which sometimes works. And Hopefully you have a touch about yourselves that you know, that you have a demeanor that you can get people to talk and hur- that you can do it empathetically. The
2: hurricane coverage also made me think that in a sick way, it makes you want more. Like, oh that's that's the Trees are blowing. That's nothing. I want to see more wind damage. I want to see more people floating. There's a shark in the middle of the street in Fort Myers. I want to see that. It almost is that draw- true? Yeah, that is. True. Well, there was a story about it. I haven't vetted it. My son sent it to me. It got washed in. <laughs> it must be he true. has a he swirl on line. his lanai that blew out of a tree. They're trying to save. So it almost feeds a, a, a taste for sensationalism and entertainment.
3: But even when we're reporting responsibly, the same story. I remember you yeah. poo-pooing even you know horrible things abroad where, like, how many more Ukrainian refugees do I right. have to read about right. their, their story? And They're all the same many, story, yeah. And maybe because it's Florida and people relate to them more, they want to hear more, like, it is the same okay, story. Okay, Sharks over in the over. Street sharks is the pretty streets, cool. Yeah, I want that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but that is goes to the issue that we were talking about earlier. People want entertainment, and that is the Correct. mix of news and entertainment that but you do want draw the, news. the audience.
3: Pe- people have family and friends yes. in Florida. People want to know how are they doing... And
1: it's at times like that that people turn it tune into the news media. When you have a disaster, when we have a blizzard here, I think it's great. Or when we have a the effects of a storm, it's great if uh, when radio turns over the airwaves to the listeners
2: to right. let Was people. Right, but you don't really need time. it because you get it from Twitter and Facebook well, too. Yeah, I guess and is it my
3: imagination or are we covering Florida a zillion times more thoroughly than we covered another part of our country, of Puerto course.
1: Rico? Of course, of course, absolutely. Not
3: your imagination.
2: Not
1: your imagination. No. that's a good point that is all we have time for for this week's media project i'm so sorry to say but we are grateful to you for tuning in alan shartok rosemary Armeo, barbara lombardo and rex smith and with gratitude to our producer david gustina and to all of you for joining us this week on the media project.
0: Fight New wage tingling Ling Ling, Guild. Got a free new world to build. Meet the people, that's a thrill. All together fits the bill. Oh, newspapermen are such interesting people. It's wonderful to represent those people. Now, publishers are such interesting people. Their policy's an acrobatic thing. They claim to represent the common people funny Wall Street never has complained ah but publishers have worries for publishers must go to working folks for readers and to big shots for their dough now publishers are such interesting people it could be prostitution I don't know ting ling ling circulation Tingling, a ling advertising get those readers get that payoff what a headache what a mess Oh publishers are such interesting people, let's give three cheers of freedom of the press.